Hello and welcome to the Video Chat Podcast. Here we will review, reminisce on and reconnect with some of our favourite music videos, old and new. I am joined by my friend and executor to my will, Lauren. Hiya, love. Hiya, <laughs> love. Um, yeah, so today I have decided that I am going to take a wander through the magical world of Michael Jackson's 2001 hit single You Rock My World and I will be taking a look at the debut single and video from uh, Avril Lavigne Complicated. So two icons this week. Absolutely of course. Total. Okay, so I am doing um, Michael Jackson's uh, You Rock My World. So this song um, came from Michael's 10th and final studio album, Invincible, which was released in 2001. Um, It was the lead single from the album um, and was released on August the 22nd, uh, 2001. I had this album. which I don't know if I feel embarrassed about or not. Um, It was obviously kind of back at a time where I would have been 15, no, coming 15, um, whenever this um, album came out. And you probably remember as well, being that age and starting to get interested in music and trying to figure out what you like, you know, mm-hmm. almost like what you listen to was a part of your identity, especially yeah. at that age, you know, yeah. um, whenever you're moving away from kind of childish games, Barbie, <laughs> you know, you're moving away from things like that and you're trying to be more like of an adult or even more like interested in, in these kinds of things that have a bit more depth to them so you know I don't know what it says about me that I was like you know I have Michael Jackson's new album like I thought I had arrived in some sort of a way because you know I was like this is a part of who I am now <laughs> I probably wasn't fully aware of what Michael had allegedly or you know been getting up to or not been getting up to in the past um, no I don't think we would have at that age no probably not um so much but I mean that this that's not the focus of what we're going to talk about today anyway um because like as I say it's taking you away from the music that we want to be talking about and uh his artistry and creativity and all that kind of stuff and people will have their opinions about that but for the purposes of this whole podcast and the whole point of why we do this is to focus on the videos and the music and stuff so the song itself got to number 10 in America which I thought was probably not a great uh, result for Michael Jackson Um, I don't think he would have been buzzing about that to be honest Um, he's such a massive fan base uh, I would have thought that alone would have like sent it right to the top of the charts mm-hmm. and probably you know some people just buy records because they're I mean I would definitely say that whilst his music so a lot of his music is class I probably was also influenced by the fact that it was just it was Michael Jackson and it would probably be cool to have one of his albums especially not one that had been released like you know retrospectively that you were buying you know at whatever price to for like mm. 15 pound or whatever in like virgin mega stores or wherever it could have been so the fact that this was a new album felt special at the time um it got to number two in the uk uh again i remember i remember listening to this on the um 
Radio 1 Top 40 chart on the Sunday with my cassette player all ready to go to record, you know, <laughs> make sure whoever was presenting it shut up so I could, like, get it recorded on time. Um, but it was held off the number one spot by Kylie Minogue, um, Can't Get You Out of My Head, um, who also stopped Victoria Beckham getting to number one with Not Such oh. an Innocent Girl. So she is killing dreams of these legends left, right, and centre. <laughs> we Kylie. Um so I'll go on to the video itself because it is a bit of a uh, an event, uh, shall we say. So the video is 13, pushing 14 goddamn minutes long. And that in itself is a joke. And I have to admit, I, I regret it, the choice of video based <laughs> on this factor alone. Now, there is a shorter version, but being a glutton for punishment, I decided, no, we'll do the 13 minute one because I have nothing better to be doing with my time, working yeah. and, and children and all sorts. Yeah. So anyway... Um, nowadays a video this long wouldn't work for the Gen Gen no. Zs or whatever they're called or Gen Z. I don't know. I, well, I, I mean, say Z. People say Z. Nearly know. fourteen minutes. Like the word superfluous comes to mind, you know. Mm-hmm. But a lot. I mean, he did a quite a few videos that were like long. They were like little sort of mini oh, yeah, movies nearly within themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I mean, this wouldn't. Um, it wouldn't work for for the youngins these days. You know, they ask two questions um, to themselves about something um, and whether or not they'll be interested in it. So question number one, is it less than 10 seconds long? And two, (laughs) will there be a pair of baps in it? And if the answer is... (laughs) No to either of them, then they're going to be moving on, I'm afraid. Yeah. So um, no offence. I mean, technically, we are millennials. Um, yeah. You know, we, I'm, you know I'm, I'm bereft at that because I know the stereotypical description of millennial is less than flattering. Mm-hmm. But hey, that's what we are. You just got to, we all have our crosses to bear. Um, anyway, I think the length of the video um, speaks more to the time that it was produced. And also this is a format for showcase of music that Michael Jackson has used time and time again, mm. and very successfully too. So big production videos really would give an artist the opportunity to convey their music in such a way that allows the audience to see it in a way that they want it to be seen. <clears throat> Whether or not that translates successfully, you know, isn't really up mm. to the artist, but, you know, the, the longer they want to make it, it is probably in the hope that it will be the vision that they want it to be uh, seen in or in what light they want it to be seen in. So while it's not a big CGI heavy video, it definitely features some big set pieces and a pretty impressive cast for a music video. Um, so the first scene opens with a shot of the Waterfront Hotel, which I think is probably a nod to the fact that Marlon Brando makes a cameo in this, um, as he famously starred in the movie On the Waterfront, which came out in 1954, so almost 50 years before this video was made. Um, this film had the famous line, I could have been a contender. Um, recently on The Chase, um, there was a question about which film Marlon Brando was paid $1 million to star in. And I had assumed it would have been The Godfather because a bit like um, Anthony Hopkins in Silence of the Lambs, you know, won an Oscar for like such a short amount of screen time. And I thought, mm-hmm. is, is he iconic enough that he would have been given like a million pound for The Godfather and not really featuring it too heavily? Um, but it was actually for On the Waterfront. Now, I mean, it was the equivalent of a million dollars at mm-hmm. that time. Um, also, just on Marlon Brando, girls and guys who like guys, do yourselves a favour and go and watch Streetcar Named Desire. Yeah. Um, all I can say is Stanley Kowalski. 
All I can say is, can't believe they let us watch that in school. You know what I mean? The I don't, I, I'm, how old were we? The hormones were <laughs> off the bloody charts. We were all friggin' buzzing walking out of that room. Um, <laughs> that was back at a time where you didn't need to see the outline of a person's genitalia through their clothes for it to be deemed <laughs> suggestive. He just like oozed sex, came in and we're like, whoa. The vest top was enough. All you mm-hmm. needed. Mm-hmm. So Marlon Brando's relationship with MJ is pretty strange. According to the internet, um, Brando had questioned Michael about his sexuality back at the time of the first abuse trial when he visited the Neverland Ranch. And uh, strangely enough, um, that was upsetting for Michael. Um, So I'm not really sure how they healed the relationship after that. But bizarrely, Michael Brando and Liz Taylor all drove cross country to escape 9-11. The start Isn't of that, that was nearly like a joke. Like, we're... yeah, it sounds like yeah. <laughs> Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson, Martin Brando, and Liz Taylor are all in a car. Um, a bar. <laughs> yeah. So, according to Liz Taylor's former PA, some guy called Tim Mendelssohn, like he gave an interview to, uh, to Variety, um, this happened, and they stopped every KFC along the way as Marlon was constantly starving. Um, <laughs> you know, which I find very relatable. Um, yeah. KFC, maybe not the the. Um, takeaway of choice. Um, I do enjoy a rice box from KFC and I would <laughs> strongly recommend those. Um, so in uh, 2001, Marlon Brando had been providing Michael Jackson with acting lessons at the pop star's request. And uh, as probably like to be nice, he had invited Marlon to his concert in New York and Liz Taylor was there too because her and Mick have been friends for years now so they have so um, they were all together when 9-11 happened and Michael insisted that they all escape New York and because there were no airplanes operating um, they had to drive Uh, another anonymous aide debunked or as I prefer to say debunked this story in relation to Lizzie um, and, and her being there. But I mean, they're all dead now, so we're never going to get to the bottom of this. So I don't know, that's just a random um, bit of information. Um, anyway, back to the actual reason why we're here. Um, we find Michael Jackson and Chris Tucker eating in a Chinese face night onto the street doing uh, one of my favourite pastimes, people watching. And Chris Tucker is probably best known for the Rush Hour films, none of which I've seen because oh, they... Yeah. They look like shite. No, Lauren. Have you seen them? Not in years, but I do remember like when I was younger, watching them and enjoying them. Okay, well, fair enough. Obviously, people did enjoy them because they made multiples. Yeah, they're probably funny. I don't know if I find them as funny now. Do you know what I mean? They were funny of their time. Mm. Um, I'll say that much. And uh, do you know what other movie Chris Tucker's in that you haven't seen? The fifth element. Oh, really? <laughs> it oh all comes God. back to the fifth element. such an inception <laughs> sort of like podcast, the way all this shit links. It's like six degrees of separation. Yeah, he plays um, this very flamboyant um, like celebrity in uh, the fifth element. It's very funny. Um, I hate that whenever you watch a film when you were like 14 or 15 and think it was the funniest goddamn thing you've ever seen. Yeah. And then you go back and rewatch it and you're like, Oh my god, did I not have a brain back then? Because this is such <laughs> shit. Um, it's a bit like the like the Austin Powers movies. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I mean, there are parts of them that I could sit and still find funny, but there's a okay. lot of it that yeah. you go, oh god, it's yeah. a, you know outdated and the humor mm-hmm. and stuff. Probably, mm-hmm. probably the same applies to Russia. I would say. Yeah. 
So Rush R2 came out um, the same year as this video and I kind of thought maybe just based on the popularity of the first one, Michael thought that having Chris in it would be good promo. Um, but and because he's basically his, his wingman in this video. Um, but I did a wee bit more research and they were actually friends. It would seem and Chris had appeared at his 30th anniversary show in 2001 as well. And apparently they would go to the cinema together and... The shopping centre, a.k.a. the mall, the mall, my accent can't pull off the word mall. So, mall. So Fairhill Shopping Centre, here we come. So <laughs> now fashion wise, these lads are dressed in something Floyd Christmas and Harry Dunn from um, Dumb and Dumber would probably like the look of. Um, the costumes are obviously a nod to Smooth Criminal. There's loads of wee references to his past uh, videography. Um, and it wouldn't be Michael Jackson without his iconic white sock black slip on mm -hmm. dad shoes combo. Um, so this gorgeous girl climbs out of a tuk-tuk in front of the restaurant and glares at these two uh, who haven't one ounce of shame between them in terms of how obvious they are a pervert mm -hmm. honour. Um, so I'm going to christen this girl Sandra for the purposes of convenience here because we don't know her name. Um, even with the death stares, these two arseholes are actually arguing about who's going to get her. Um, so despite her obvious disinterest, these two are relentless in their pursuit. Um, so I think it's definitely the way you make me feel vibes. Um, that, that video that Michael Jackson had done in the 80s, um, where Michael essentially stalks a very pretty petite woman through the streets at night, down alleyways, uh, when I think it's clear she just wants to get home. So he is a fan of glamorizing this sort of localized terrorism. Um, so obviously, he he's reading it from the narrative where it's a lot cuter and more innocent mm. and it's a music video and not a person in real life walking home from work yeah. or night out. Um, anyway, back to the video. These two then decide to just abandon their food without paying a cent, despite both being loaded. Not doing so, a runner when you're a millionaire. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, so at one stage later in the video, MJ actually throws like a money clip of hundreds on a poker table. So what was stopping him from firing a few of those at the disgruntled chef whose business mm -hmm. could for sure have done with a boost if the decor was anything to go by? Like it looked like it was falling <laughs> down around them. Um, and also why the rush? Like Sandra is literally sashaying down the pavement like it's friggin' the Paris Fashion Week and mm -hmm. she hasn't taken off around the corner like Mo Farah. So they could definitely afford to at least play it cool um, instead of racing up behind her like two total desperados. So Sandra walks into like a South American themed bar slash club. So it's basically set in revolution to Cuba, I've decided. Um, Sandra has barely set foot through the door and some old guy guides her to the one, the only Mr. Michael Madsen. Um, so we should all, yeah, we should all be aware of Michael Madsen from... Quentin Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs, Ridley Scott's Masterpiece, Thelma and Louise, uh, and most famously from Celebrity Big Brother 9. Um, he came fourth in that series and feuded with Denise Welsh the whole time, basically. Um, and at the final, he asked for security to keep her away from him. So not really the tough guy, odd from Kill Bill that we um mm. that we all know as well um so I think it's fair to say that he is a guy um who plays in every move, movie basically the same guy he is in real life which is just mm -hmm. a grumpy bastard um either that or he takes method acting to a whole new level um so he's there anyway he's wearing 
like actual joke Elvis Presley sunglasses that you would get from Elliot's in Belfast. And I don't believe he's wearing them ironically. You have to see the, the just the whole look of it. So he spies Sandra and proceeds to sit her on the stool in front of him and then starts kissing her hand. So there's all sorts of consensual boundaries being ignored mm. here, unless they have some sort of special arrangement um, that we're not privy to. Um, the mood portrayed, um, though, definitely seems quite insidious just by the way she's being like managed throughout and also, the attitude of all the men um, towards this woman seems to be that she's like a piece of real estate that everyone's entitled mm. uh, to have a stake in. Um, so justice for Sandra um, <laughs> in that regard. Uh, it's I think there's parts of it. I mean, I don't want to sound really snowflakey and all that crap um, as a millennial. It's just what I'm, you know, um, predisposed to do, Lauren. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, you know, if there's parts I just you could just see just wouldn't go down so well or probably be quite heavily criticized now a day. Yeah. So Michael Jackson comes in full of confidence because he's Michael Jackson and nobody says no to Michael Jackson. Uh, full of confidence, makes a beeline over towards her while showcasing some of his killer dance moves, uh, which doesn't go unnoticed by Michael Madsen, who feels so strongly about it that he takes the Elvis Presley sunglasses off in protest and this is when again there's some more serious dance moves showcased so Sandra seems intrigued by Michael and this is only conveyed by her continuing to look in his direction her face is literally deadpan throughout the whole video which is bizarre so these men definitely aren't interested in her witty banter that's for sure um so you know obviously she's stunning that's that's what they're interested mm -hmm. in Michael makes his way onto the stage area and on the way there, some poor maintenance guy, he's just innocently working on some kind of rigging and Michael just fully and deliberately knocks him off his feet and this results in him lying on the ground, seemingly paralysed and writhing around in agony. So mm -hmm. whatever he was working on, a screen has come down and conveniently Michael appears in silhouette form on the stage. So Michael starts um, like a, an acapella rendition of the tune, You Rock My World, accompanied by some very iconic moves which are beautifully displayed and um, very much complemented by the silhouette that we have. He then steps off the stage and the song properly starts. Um, Sandra is still expressionless, but also seems transfixed by Michael. Um, he takes her by the hand and guides her off. So she's slightly in front of him and he smacks her on the arse, which is a bold move and so not a believable thing that MJ yeah. um, would do, other than the fact that he's obviously playing a character. Um, you know, this is a guy that like cried to Marlon Brando about, you know, just sexuality in general. So I could see how maybe he would want to be take the opportunity to kind of be overt in some ways like to dismiss mm. maybe how he felt that people saw him um I'm very confused by the cues that she is giving him to be honest um but then this character of Sandra is so poorly portrayed slash written um it seems it feels believable that she would let any man she encounters take advantage of her which I don't think was the goal here but this is how it reads to me um, so she's kind of walking slightly ahead of him as if she's no more interested and he um, just isn't getting the message. So I'm not really sure what example this sets other than persistence, um, you know, will eventually pay off uh, in some way. Um, I also didn't realise, I mean, obviously, 
Michael Jackson dances and you know he has the arm in the air and the other hand down on his crotch like he's very crotch focused in his dancing and just watching a video obviously while he's doing his moves there's one point where he literally has his hands positioned like we picture frame around his groin um, oh, well. which is weird um, so I'm still wondering more and more about Sandra's direction because um, throughout it's like She's been told, right, basically, I want your body to be shouting, yeah, Michael, I'm still feeling this, but your face needs to be more like R.P. McMurphy after he has his lobotomy and wants to over the cuckoo's nest. Now, that's a random reference, but if you know, you know, she's just, there's no one there. Um, so meanwhile, Michael Madsen's cronies are very unsettled by Michael's behaviour, uh, as I am by this stage, and so they've just got a lot <laughs> to try and come up with a strategy to to take care of him in some way. Now, the head of the cronies, um, what I've christened them, uh, is played by Billy Drago, who starred in The Untouchables and was frequently cast as a villain. So typecast again for this gig, mm. Billy Sauce. Um, <laughs> we then suddenly cut to a scene where Michael and Sandra are dancing alone like a dream sequence. And she's dressed very much in an MJ-inspired costume, minus the fact that she's wearing like a bra that, that is showing. And um, I don't believe Michael has ever worn women's lingerie, not on stage anyway, but I also feel like it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if he did. Um, but that's purely <laughs> speculation on my part. So he makes his way onto an actual bar to dance the same five dance moves he's done since he was knee-high to a grasshopper. And um, then suddenly he's like grabbing bottles and smashing them off the bar. Um, when there's there's very clear signs saying no fighting, but maybe he would have benefited from a sign that like <laughs> said no criminal damage. I don't know. He's just, he's not, he, in his mind, he's not in a fight. So I don't know why he does this. Um, Obviously, it's to demonstrate that the strength of his feelings for Sandra are so powerful that it's worth risking a night in Musgrave Police Station for. <laughs> um, Michael Madsen then sees all this, not impressed as usual, and he smashes um, a bottle on the edge of the bar and he's just looking, just glaring at Michael like, see yes. <laughs> That's getting shut up your whole two <laughs> seconds, bro. So... Meanwhile, this wee tout goes running to Marlon Brando like, Daddy, Daddy, they're ruining the boat. So Marlon just smirks at this. Like he's he's no more bothered, but his livelihood is under threat. Um, the cronies then have Michael cornered on the stage and they're saying things like, uh, I love to play. Do you want to play? I'm like, play what? Like, what's this? The whole, I don't know, the, the language you're using is confusing to me. Um, so uh, this then continues. And they also say, say things like, come on, big man, show me all you got. Like that's the, the Lord, there's double it's, entendre there for sure. Yeah. Very cheesy, um, like real cheesy language. It is, it to, is. To it's use corn, for like a, a corn dog. Yeah. yeah. And if you're like, because they've got like, you know, hard men in this video like Michael Madsen, Marlon Brando, Billy uh, Drago or Drago. Um, so, you know, I don't know, it's just, it is, it's corny, Cornfest 2001. Uh, Michael has his backup dancers and they're all basically about to fight the cronies using my favourite type of communication, choreography. <laughs> so it's kind of reminds me of like West Side Story between the sharks and the jets a wee bit. Um, 
but uh, yeah, it's it's enjoyable. He's he's fighting them uh, with the dance moves. Um, so again, this dance sequence very reminiscent of the Smooth Criminal video. Um, now Michael still like has the moves at the stage in in two thousand and one, but. What we know from the tabloids and the media is that there has been a lot publicised about Michael's reliance on pain medication, particularly after he had had um, a very bad accident while filming a Pepsi commercial, I believe it was in the 80s. Um, and that led to some really significant burning, um, like uh, significant damage to his scalp in particular. Um, and it was recorded, um, obviously, his, he died through misuse of uh, propofol and benzodiazepines. So seemingly, he maybe may have felt uh, that he needed large doses of pain medication just to manage um, his ability to go through mm. each day. Um, so I kind of think it's probably fair to say that Michael needed a lot to get himself up and going and probably needed, you know, some kind of downers for, you know, the evening time speculating but you know it's something that I've read a lot about in terms of other um, very iconic performers like Judy Garland from a very young age Mm -hmm. you know again another child performer um, having to take uppers to get up and have the energy to perform over and over again and then have to take downers to be able to get to get to sleep at night Um, so the same year that this song was released as well uh, Michael Jackson made a cameo appearance um, at the climax of NSYNC's performance of pop at the MTV Video Music Awards in uh, 2001. And even though his performance literally lasts 30 seconds, before it had even ended, Joey Fatone um, is seen pushing a really shit computer desk chair out for him, like, and he ends the performance seated on this chair um, and is handed a bottle of water immediately. Um, so it's actually really sad. You can very easily access that performance. Um, right, I've never they, seen that. They're like dancing, obviously, to um, pop, and then they stop, and there's like an Etch-A-Sketch behind mm-hmm. them, and there's just, they're just like the outline of Michael Jackson. It says it goes from kings of pop to king of pop, and then Michael comes out, and it's for the bit, you know, where um, Justin Timberlake does his his wee beatbox mm-hmm. and that's whenever he dances so go and look at that because that is I mean I remember thinking it was kind of funny at the time but looking back now I think and actually that's, that's sad um and um even whenever you look at like Michael dancing you know the guys that are dancing with him are like half his age you know like he's he's done a lot to his body you know to obviously continue to be able to like perform like at the rate that he was performing and even whenever he died I remember there had been a lot uh on the news about these concerts and health concerns and all the rest of it and I'll never forget them saying on the news he's been taken into hospital and I literally said he's never getting all those shows done and Mm. then like about 10 minutes later like Michael Jackson has died I was just like, oh my God, like I wasn't expecting that he was going to die. I just thought he'd be like, no, I saw this. But I think he was pretty hard up for cash. Um, I remember when that news broke. So that was 2009. I was at uni at the time in Oxford. And I remember you messaged me. Like immediately. (laughs) Um, It was just after I killed him with my my. Uh, yeah, you'd make it. <laughs> my fateful words, and then yeah. So yeah, so the dancers were like half his age, and um, probably 
so many like he's inspired so many people to get into dance and performance um that that would have been a real like pinch yourself moment being having him stand and like literally a foot away from you dancing with him um so something happens where there's like a, a naked flame finds its way onto some bottles of alcohol and I would have thought that the bottles wouldn't have caught fire themselves maybe the, the contents would have hmm. but not necessarily the bottoms themselves I don't know I'm not a scientist but I did get two B's in my double award GCSE science so I'm not completely science illiterate um but I just wouldn't be 100% sure on that also the flame seems to reach actual toxic sewage waste which is highly <laughs> flammable and just sitting very close to the bar naturally um yeah as as you do um so as this is going on marlon brando makes his way down the stairs i'm convinced he's pissed during this like his character's pissed because he is just well <laughs> here's everything falling down around me um he's making his way down the stairs and he's wearing an all-black suit and a white tie aviator sunglasses and some kind of a trilby um so he got the memo on the trilbies um did uh brando um so i believe um he's also wearing like a red corsage or some sort of a flower in his breast pocket and i don't know it's like a really shit tribute to the godfather his outfit mm-hmm. um i don't know or he also kind of looks like someone who would perform the bass in like a wedding band like some big fella like who's kind of not completely in time you know his eyes are closing as the night goes on um he's got this big smile on his face which is mental because like I say you know his his whole business is now going to be in ruin um of you know he's thinking about the insurance policy he uh, purchased the previous week because why else would he look so <laughs> gleeful so Michael sees Marlon and they look at each other and it's almost like, you know, they definitely recognize um, each other. And um, <laughs> Marlon says to Michael, pretty cute in there. Like trying to emasculate him in some way. Like he was aware of all this mm. dancing that was going on, all this silliness. Uh, and trying to make it seem like he's no threat to him. And Michael responds by saying, I know who you are. Did that sound like Michael Jackson? Did it feel like he was back? A bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know who you are. Maybe it's not it's not as um breathy. He doesn't really like enunciate his words either. Um and then Marlon Brando, he goes, um bing bang. Which just made me think of this. Bing bang bong, <laughs> sing sang song, ding ding dong, UK So that's all I could think of when he went bing bang. And he's just gleefully laughing still, so yeah, um, fair, then, any reference to the words bing and bang from now at this point on yeah. in my life, this is all I will think of is that song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was I any excuse. So I was delighted that that gave me such a strong reference point. Um, just to kind of liven this up at the end, the crescendo of this description. Um then he just goes later and just walks away so they're all making a mad dash out of the club and Michael's reunited with Sandra at the back of the waterfront hotel or they're back at the front of the hotel and um, Chris Tucker appears um, from around the corner in like this gorgeous big like convertible Cadillac I think um, and they just drive away from flames um, so that's in essence the, the video um, you know there's so much of it I think I don't know it could have been better like this is like whenever I watch sport and I'm like <laughs> shit oh how did you miss that you know like I could do better um so yeah I don't know like it's 
people would think it was it was iconic in some way. I went and looked at some of the comments of for the video on YouTube. And um, just a lot of people, like, he's an icon, he's like, I was kind of expecting more shit about him, actually, just yeah, more on balance, like but yeah, but there wasn't really a lot, um, actually I didn't see anything, um, somebody put in um, a little trivia, the reason he covers his face most of the video is because they bullied him on set and wanted to fill in his nose to make it fuller, he cried in his dressing room and when a friend of his walked in he said they think I'm a monster rest in peace Michael I don't know if that's true I would have thought that if it's your music video people would be right up your arse who's bullying you in the set of your own bloody video yeah and I also watched actual footage of him like parts of making there wasn't an official making the video documentary but it was Chris Tucker talking about his relationship with Michael and he looks like he's pissing himself laughing most of the time so someone needs Mm. to find this girl and tell her (laughs) don't worry it was okay in the end um, and then I like this one that just made me laugh. Someone says, um, he sings, he dances, and most importantly, hee hee. <laughs> there's always uh, got to be one. There's always got to be uh, something along those lines. So that's in essence my um, my analysis of that video. Um, I do, I, I really do like that song. I think it is a good song. It's not, mm-hmm. a, it's not the best Michael Jackson song, but it has like, real oh, good yeah. feet. Yes, he did make some really good, I don't know, did he, I, again, my research is so half-hearted, I, I haven't even checked if he actually wrote the goddamn song himself, um, but let's just say he did, just, you know, because <laughs> um, he was bullied, remember, in the video, so, yeah, well done. For such a long video that's nearly like a miniature movie and it's construction, yeah, it really doesn't make a lot of sense, does it, that? No. whatever they were going for I don't know <laughs> no. um, but he definitely wants to look like portrayed as like a real tough guy and it's like mm-hmm. I think people loved him all the rest of him such like a soft character as well and definitely any interactions he just he wasn't he wasn't in touch with reality at all because yeah how could you be if you've been well, like uh, from the age of what five or six mm-hmm. you're gonna have problems there's no doubt about it and even if you look at Britney Spears always come back to Britney as well like she was in her teens you know but was always performing like even later like he had no chance um yeah. to experience anything so irrespective of what's said and I mean I have my views about that which I don't think need to be shared everyone has an mm. opinion about it um he obviously like just had more issues than Vogue to be honest yeah um so what was I going to say as well? Before we move on, there was something I should have said at the start of this, which really annoyed me, was whenever we were talking about um, our Dean Bars episode, and we talked about the song um, that he has done with the other guys in Boys on Block, All My Life, yeah. and I said that it was by Jodeci. That was not the case, so... I think okay. the sort of person whenever I hear something like something that's wrong, I get really annoyed, especially when like local radio DJs mispronounce the names of the artists, like really, really obviously mispronounce them and they think that they've mm. got it right. So it was actually performed by Casey and Jojo. That that, that was okay. who, who performed it. So just anyone, don't come for me. It was just a wee accident. Corrections corner. <laughs> <laughs> So from MJ on to 
Good old Avril Levine. Let's get Aww. stuck in. Avril Levine is Canadian. So she was born in Ontario, Canada in September 1984. So she's currently 36 years old, just a few years ahead of ourselves. Um, Avril was discovered to be a talented singer and performer from a young age. And her parents were very good in that they nurtured and encouraged this talent. And her father even converted their basement into a studio so that she could practice and bought a microphone and a drum kit, a keyboard, guitars, etc. for her to develop her skills. Um, then in her teens, Avril performed at country fairs, so singing a lot of country music songs by Garth Brooks and Shania Twain. And in 1999, so at the age of 15, she won a radio contest in Canada to perform with her fellow Canadian singer Shania Twain before an audience of 20,000 people. Wow. At 15 years old in front of 20,000 people. The confidence you would have to have, I have to say, mm. would never be me. <laughs> yep. Um, so they performed together and sang Shania's song, What Made You Say That? And Avril even told Twain at the time that she was going to be a famous singer. So Avril certainly knew the path that she wanted to take in life and she was she was on it, you know. I love that whenever people like do what they say they're going to do, and it's mm-hmm. not like just you know, it's not your run of the mill kind of a yeah a career. Like it's one of those ones that really is like it's it's like a it's not like all luck. Obviously, there's a lot of hard work that goes into it, but you know, mm-hmm. you see lots of very very talented people that you see singing in bars that are mm-hmm. you know releasing and recording original stuff that absolutely deserve their chance you know and yeah it just doesn't doesn't work out so no I love hearing things like that you should just have yeah. such belief in yourself and I would like a, a dream that's obviously like a pipe dream for so many mm-hmm. but Avril was determined so later that year in December 1999 Avril was discovered while singing country covers in a bookstore in Ontario so she was discovered by a guy called Cliff Fabry who went on to become her manager or her first manager, at least anyway. I think she changed management at some stage later on. So that takes us to her song Complicated, which was released on the 23rd of April 2002. And that was the debut single from her first album called Let Go. Did you own, you own this album as well, Anna? No, I didn't. I had, oh, did um, I had the next album. I didn't have the first one I had. Um, is it In The Skin is the second yeah. album. Mm-hmm. I had that. It was, it was a really good album. Very angsty. Okay. See, I... I think I had this one, but not the second one okay. thereafter. Um, and the song itself, the writing credits on this song are written by Avril and a songwriting team known as The Matrix. Why does oh, I've the, heard of The Matrix. I've definitely heard of The Matrix. The Matrix is a flipping thing that keeps coming up, reference to the mm-hmm. movie as well in this podcast <laughs> so far. But this is a, a, a trio of, of writers called Scott Spock. Lauren Christie and Graham Edwards. So they helped Avril with the writing of the song. The song reached number one in eight countries, including Avril's home country of Canada, also the USA, Australia, New Zealand and Ireland, but it only reached number three in the UK. And it was actually beaten in the charts, apparently by Will Young and Garth Gates when they <laughs> collaborated on a song. Imagine the Long and Winding Road? Something like that, yeah. And uh, can't say it rings any bells for me, to be honest. And they were also beaten, she was also beaten to the top by Oasis one week and then Holly Valance the next. So there we go. <laughs> was that um, was that Kiss Kiss? 
Couldn't tell you. I didn't like. I, I seen Holly Lanza's name, but I, I think I don't know if she's. I, I think that's been her only song. Actually, that's the only one I'm aware of. So it's, yeah, definitely one of the only ones I can think of. Um, so complicated held the number one spot on the Billboard Adult Top Forty chart for sixteen weeks in a row, oh. which broke the record at the time, which had been previously held by Natalie and Bruglia. It was torn. So the, uh, the video then was directed by the Malloys, which sounds like someone that we would uh, know from home, no. to be honest. But uh, it's two brothers called Emma and Brendan Malloy, who worked with a lot of uh, popular groups at the time, including Blink-182, You Found Glory, Alien Ant Farm, and also Lost Profits, which is unfortunate. Oh, that's very unfortunate. Will be the first and last time that that particular band will yeah. be mentioned here, I'm sure. It will. So the video was filmed then at Eagle Rock Plaza, which is a mall in Los Angeles. Uh, it was a two-day shoot, and apparently the mall remained open throughout the whole filming. But I suppose she was an unknown at that point, mm. so it wouldn't be like when if you had a, a huge, known, well-known celebrity filming at a mall, would it? You know, people would have been just wondering who on earth is this girl tearing around the place. Um, so on to the video. It begins with Avril on her skateboard, just, you know, too cool for school meeting her three male friends uh, who I think, you know, her band members, they're also playing throughout the video too. She greets them with a line, sup boys? And when they ask, what do you want to do today? She suggests, dude, do you want to crash the mall? And off they go. And the song kicks in. So Avril is wearing an outfit that literally only she get away with. So long, like very baggy, wide black shorts. But of course, she's tiny, so these shorts are so long, they're practically like trousers on her. Mm-hmm. Um, a black vest top, black and white like cuffs around her wrist, and a red checked tie. So the kind of thing your granda might wear to a wedding, but she's just got it on over the vest top, cash. Well, we were inspired by this, Lauren. <laughs> oh, everyone was at the time, yeah. for sure. Like, this was a big <laughs> day. This was like, I think this is maybe... To my knowledge, the first proper like time I fully imitated somebody like that, you know, it was un- undeniably like where that look had been stolen from. Yeah. And I mean, how many girls must have been walking around having neckties out their dad's wardrobe or whatever at the time? Yeah. Just a real cultural shift there. <laughs> I'm and sure my the parents would have liked it. <laughs> mostly had clip on ties, so I would have had to go and like actually find a tie. <laughs> I think, yeah. The, uh, so her look is finished off with a huge pair of skater shoes, maybe like a pair of DCs or something. Mm. So they're similar to what I would have worn at the time anyway. That was, you know, the style that I was involved in. Mm. And then her hair is long, poker straight, again, very of the time. And even Avril couldn't escape the thin eyebrows that were plugged into oblivion that were of the look of that uh, era. She's also got on like minimal makeup, but lots of black eyeliner. And I mean, I, in my like style that I was into at the time, you know, absolutely wanted to be Avril whenever mm-hmm. this video was released. She really like epitomized that skater girl look mm-hmm. that uh, mm-hmm. was a big thing. Is that even a thing anymore? Do teenagers still do this? Who knows? Oh, I don't know. We haven't been able to like go and actually observe outside like the likes of Belfast City Hall, which is the perfect like you know place yeah. to sit and observe what is what are teenagers nowadays? Yeah. What are must, they? What are they morphed I mean, into? I say this like I don't have a teenage sister. I do. I must ask her. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, 
Anywho, off Avril and her pals go to the mall on their skateboards. And the first thing that they do is take some free food samples from a man who's dressed in a big hot dog costume. And then for no discernible reason, they just throw them back in the poor man's face. Uh, That's just so rude. They run off and the poor fella can't even chase after them because he's dressed as a giant hot dog. So bullying people. level of entitlement. I know. Bullying this guy at work, basically. Where's (laughs) the food as well? I know, that is true. Someone would have appreciated those food samples. I'd be running around with my mouth hanging open just trying to catch the (laughs) wee samples that were flying through the air. (laughs) God made dirt. Dirt won't hurt. (laughs) Um, So the whole video then is also interspersed with clips of Avril and her band playing and they're outside in a skate park beside some railings. It's a real glamorous on-location shoot there. And in these clips, she's wearing really similar outfit, like the baggy black jeans, a white vest top this time, and a black tie. And she's singing, playing her guitar, and people are skating about as they're performing. So back in the mall, Avril and her friends are looking around some camping equipment, and she pulls down her trousers and pretends to use like an outdoor commode, I suppose. <laughs> oh, Jesus, <laughs> not a I guess. I guess toilet humor is always going to appeal to some of the masses, you know. Yeah. Um, I think it's again, like, it's just this whole like, I'm one of the lads. Yeah, re- rebellious tomboy sort yeah. of behavior. So then she's messing around with a fishing rod and catches some poor man by his lip piercing and reels him in. And then they go to a jewelry shop and they try on loads of gaudy gold chains with like big dollar signs and stuff on them. Like, and then they, they kind of do a bit of a like a rapper piss take, you know, scene to the camera as well there. Mm-hmm. And then the next stop is a sports shop where Avril puts on some boxing gloves and punches a mannequin. So a bit of criminal damage going on in this video as well. And uh, then she takes a basketball and performs the double somersault into a slam dunk maneuver. All very believable, as uh, I'm sure you understand. It's just unstoppable. I mean, mm-hmm. hot dog people, you know, just... <laughs> breaking shit in the store mm-hmm. um i mean if she was your daughter she'd be getting grounded for sure yeah her so, skateboard would be confiscated that's what the song should be called mm-hmm. <laughs> the the guitar locked away you know mm-hmm. but uh, now we're off to a clothes shop and avril sits like outside in the changing room area on a sofa as all her friends are trying on various silly outfits The guys come out dressed in like preppy outfits that no self-respecting guitar playing skater boy would be caught dead in. Mm. And this scene, of course, then lines up perfectly with the lyrics of the song, laugh out when you strike your pose, take off all your preppy clothes. And Avril starts ripping the aforementioned preppy clothes off of her friends and then they lift her up and carry her away because, you know, she's so tiny, you see. 15-year-old Laura could never... Be like, can we like actually get four more guys to take the other half of her? Cheers. Not you, I'm talking me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I would have probably tired above all these fellas. Well, no, I'm not a giant, like, but I'm certainly, (laughs) certainly no Avril. Yeah. Um, We are, we are Amazonian queens, Lauren, (laughs) and I will not be, I will not accept any other description. Thank you. Supermodel esque. Yeah. You know, so. The next thing, uh, we have Avril scaring shoppers by popping out of clothing reels. Then they all see some food from the mall security guard, and that kicks off a chase around the place. Um, they end up in a department store, and Avril grabs and uses a roll-on deodorant, while another woman looks on and mouths the words, that's disgusting. And it absolutely so, is. <laughs> at this stage of the video, 
like it, I laughed because it was almost in a way like watching like two ver- the two versions of myself so like teenage Laura and in a, another life and current you know old age pensioner me calling the teenagers disgusting so <laughs> um there we go so next the group have jumped into like onto like some bikes and like kitty cars and they're driving about them all crashing into things before jumping into a big blow up swimming pool where they splash around and throw pull toys about why there's a full like indoor swimming pool in a mall I don't know is that a thing that happens would never occur over here that's for sure but uh, then again we're, we're not really the land of indoor or outdoor swimming pools you know so no. they're in this pool throwing the toys around and splashing and the poor overworked and likely underpaid security guards are trying to you know get them out reason with them and at this stage, I'm exhausted from just from watching this video, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what it's like to have so much energy of a day out with your <laughs> friends. And uh, the video ends with the group walking away from the camera and then a close-up shot of Avril's face giving us that like perfect angsty teenage girl vibe to finish, to finish off. So, you know, the song itself is basically about like people who are a bit fake who pretend to be someone else depending on the company they're in, I suppose, and maybe a bit two-faced. Um, and it was actually nominated for two Grammy Awards, Song of the Year and Best Female Pop Vocal. I'm assuming it didn't win, considering that uh, the, the word there is just nominated. Mm. <laughs> um, and uh, as the, of February 2021, the day of watching, the video has over 415 million views on YouTube, which is, you know, quite substantial, I think. Um, the music video was ranked at number 41 on Billboard's 100 Greatest Music Videos of the 21st Century. Yeah, uh, You know, I don't think I would argue with that. Certainly oh. was of its time, I suppose, and represents an era. I, mean, <laughs> I would probably more so, if you're talking about just the song mm-hmm. in some ways, about that, I don't think that's a particularly memorable video, but that's yeah. her debut maybe, because... It was quite impactful in some ways. I don't know why mm. though, because well, maybe, maybe it's because she wasn't like your typical like a like a Britney or a Christina. Yeah. Um, but then she was she was too privy to be put into like a different category. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was uh, there was like something quite refreshing about it. Maybe yeah, yeah. She definitely uh, broke, I suppose, the tradition of like a f- the female pop stars and artists at the time mm-hmm. being just like singers and dancers and. Mm-hmm. You know, she wanted to be the songwriter, the guitar player, the singer. You know, she was yeah. doing it all. Um, and I suppose that was a, a brand new thing at the time. Mm. Um, as for, like, longevity, I don't know. I think I'm really biased, obviously, here, because I think the song probably is a bit cheesy. But, like, it, it's hard not to sing along when it comes on, you know? Yeah. I think and, it's just, like, it, it harks back to a time. Um, yeah. Because if she's what a couple of years older than us, then mm-hmm. um, oh yeah, like you would have like I feel like I can remember being that age really well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like everything that was going on, like things you were interested in, feeling awkward in your own skin, and all that kind of stuff. So like I like the song because like it does definitely like bring back sort of nostalgic memories of that age and, and all mm-hmm. the rest. So. It's nice that way. Um, but yeah, it is. It's not like it is just a cheesy pop. Well, I don't think she would have thought it was cheesy at the time. She probably thought no. it was quite deep. 
Um, again, that's just an age thing, probably, but I still think it's a very good song. I, I did. Did you go to her concert? In no. the Odyssey, I, I remember it felt like literally everybody from my school in my year was going, and everyone from um, my old school as well was there. Like I was able to mm-hmm. see loads of different ones. I got the train up straight after school, and then by the time we got the train back, I was staying at a friend's house, and I remember it being so late, and then having school the next day and stuff and eating in um there was like a a restaurant and thing that was like a diner style in uh the odyssey and I remember my friend like I was there with two other girls and one of them ordered like a salad and she'd eaten the whole salad and found like a dead spider at the bottom of the the plate and whenever she like complained they just they just didn't give a shit they didn't like (laughs) I think it was like our formal as well. Do you remember how horrible the staff were? Our formal, mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't because the school wasn't affiliated with it. You know, they just thought we were just like just a crowd of rowdy kids. And I just remember like the staff being like less than helpful at any yeah. point during the whole night. So you were at an age as well where like you you, you generally weren't respected. You know, mm-hmm. by depending on what you were doing, obviously. But I, I remember we were pretty we were innocent. Enough, yeah. we're like, hey, there's been a spider here. Any chance maybe you could get like half off this meal, maybe? And they were like, oh, <laughs> piss uh, off. Yeah, of a time when a lot of, I suppose, teenagers don't just have the, the confidence or the assertiveness that yeah. some some do, not all, not all teenagers. But, you know, mm-hmm. I certainly would have been too quiet at that stage in life even to, mm-hmm. to contemplate demanding money off because of a dead spider in my dinner. But, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. everyone's different. Um, and I think like with Avril, um, she wanted to go more rock in her style, whereas mm-hmm. like the managers or whatever producers wanted to keep her more pop. You know, mm-hmm. so there was a bit of like a a back and forth and what style, you know, she was going to go for. So I, I think it was maybe a bit of a compromise, really, with the, the sort of pop rock, you know, that she, she started off with here. Um, but... As you say, like she was singing about things, I suppose, that we could all relate to of that age and mm-hmm. maybe in a more relatable way as well. Because, like, you know, obviously there was, we'd had Britney Spears and, and Christina Aguilera and other big pop stars at that time, but they're generally writing songs that other older, you know, people have, have wrote about heartache or breakups or yeah. whatever, you know, whereas Avril was very wanting to be more hands on in her, um, yeah. her songs. And I don't think her song is really, it's not, it's not talking about heartbreak. It's, it's more like about being your authentic self, which is mm. a message for everyone, Lauren, no matter yes. what age you are, just be yourself and just, you know, as long as you're not hurting anybody, yeah. like just don't care, don't worry about it. You'll be fine. That's everyone it. feels the same. Everybody feels shit sometimes. And um, like we all probably catch ourselves at moments when you're not being like your authentic self and mm. you're not speaking out when you should and, all the rest so it's probably something that you'll just always try to find a balance with yeah hard as, as well you get older as you get older you, you, you just give less of a shit like definitely like I just feel like as the years go on like even more recently like normally I would not leave the house without like at least some kind of concealer on and I think because we're still in the panty day and the hairdressers, I just, I just don't care. And also because I get to wear a mask, it's like I'm not. And that's only like on a very like you know 
skin deep level. It's not like just in, in terms of like I just I just don't can't be arsed in a lot of ways, you know. Um, so I feel like I get it when I see older people who are so like blunt and abrupt, yeah. and like that is something we all will become. You know, we're just trying to get not rude in your ways but try to get to a place where you can confidently say yes to this no to that and you know just take me or leave me yeah I can definitely like relate to that and I mean you know what I was like as well when we were younger I wouldn't have said boo to a goose you know what I mean I was so Mm. so quiet but so like an important thing for teenagers like be yourself especially at a time in your life where you maybe are want to like impress people or be friends with certain people and Mm -hmm, think you maybe mm -hmm. need to go along with what they like what they do you know mm-hmm. but easier said than done for sure when you're when you're that like young yeah and I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be that age now not oh, no. a chance like I mean even watching the uh the footage of Michael Jackson performing with NSYNC and the crowd mm-hmm. was, there wasn't one phone it was people's hands yeah. in the air just like living in the moment and stuff and I just think like the pressure all these young ones like Oh, I don't know. It's. I think we've touched on this before, actually, mm. but it's just the pressure to grow up at a younger and younger age, you know, is is just so palpable now yeah. and everything. You see it everywhere. And that's me not even fully, obviously, able to be tuned into what that must feel like. Um, so, yeah. yeah. We only thought it was bad, like, when we were younger, but it just gets worse. Yeah. yeah I do definitely. feel for teenagers these days. Definitely. You're doing very well if you get through your teens and you yeah. know you're you're able to like keep yourself intact in some ways and not be influenced to it happens to everyone that there's gonna be an influence is gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Um at, at that age especially. But now it's just I just think it's a far greater task to be able to resist the temptation of, you know, that influence and mm-hmm. you know, what the pressure to fit in and stuff. Yeah, the social media age that we're in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and like you talked about, that being said, it, everybody, our social medias are. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I don't know them, Lauren, you know them better than I do. Or each the masses, somehow. Yeah. But like you touched on it yourself earlier, like um, Avril, you know, she was the embodiment of like teenage angst for a lot of girls at the time, myself sort of included. Uh, she definitely started the, the tie trend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Many's a girl wearing a tie on top of any old t shirt at the time. <laughs> Um, and you know, like wrist cuffs and like black rubber bracelets, and you know, encouraging. She was just edgy enough for me. Yeah. You know, like I wasn't like I know you would have a far better knowledge of like I suppose edgier music than me. Like albums you would have listened to. I mean, like the edgiest thing I owned was definitely Eminem's album, mm-hmm. um, Marshall Mathers. Um, but Avril Lavigne was like as like emo as I was willing to go and I think I only went for the tie and mm. uh yeah and just the poker straight hair with those blue straighteners um but I think I saw Futura. a picture of them on Futura that was them the OGs oh they were good they were mm-hmm. good straighteners have mm-hmm. to say um yeah I mean like at the time I would have been listening to such a weird variety of stuff like Blink 182 it had that Eminem album as well um but then I was also like big into System of a Down too, you know, just such a weird I don't think diverse... I know one of their songs. <laughs> uh, I would have been getting into Metallic. I just like the the group of people that I was friendly with and the stuff they, you know, the things they mm-hmm. like to listen to, obviously influenced what I listened to. So I had this real weird 
smorgasbord of of musical stylings going on, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and only like two years previously had been like going to a Westlife concert, and then yeah. there we are with all this, and then Avril. But like Avril, obviously, in certain that sort of circle, I would have been running in. There was a bit of like piss taken about her too, because mm. there was that poppy element, you know, and she was certainly not hard, hard, heavy rock by any means. No. But like she definitely, I think, encouraged girls to just be that a bit edgier, maybe in their style and embrace that. That's eight border girl look. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe straighten their hair with their fituras or possibly <laughs> even their mum's iron, because straighteners really yeah. weren't a huge thing at, in 2002. They were yeah. a very new beauty product on the market. Um so, you know, heading the iron aboard and all mm. that. But like at the end of the day, I think and I hope that Avril would have encouraged a lot of girls at that time to maybe write songs, to sing or even pick up a guitar or sit at a drum kit and learn how to play an instrument. Like mm-hmm. God knows I tried both at the time, but it was useless and I gave up. And that is my gift <laughs> to the world. But um, I'm on. sure there's Could've girls. Been. Who could have been up there. No, I could have. If only I had a musical bone in my She body. could have been your Shania and you could have been the Avril, but that was saying, like... <laughs> I'm going to be a rock star. Yeah. Um, so some of my favourite comments under this video, I mean, there was nothing groundbreaking, but there was one that said, this generation has Billie Eilish, we had Avril Lavigne. Uh, right, yeah. I would agree. I would we'll agree see the one. parallels there. Um, her at 17 makes a song, me at 17 trying to close the fridge slowly to see the light turn off. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like she would have put a thing like that in one of her videos because that was her too, probably. <laughs> yeah, that messing about. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just going to finish this recap with 17-year-old Avril Lavigne's own words about her her musical style and persona at the time. I don't know if you've heard this clip previously, but it, it certainly is a bit legendary in itself. Uh, if you, if you want to know what I think that I am, I think that I'm just a rock chick. And I like to rock out. I like to throw shit around. I like to go nuts. I like to lose myself on stage. I like to scream. I like to holler. I like to break things. I like to yell. I like to get my anger out. And you know what? Everyone has their own opinion on everybody. She just sort of fades out there. She starts off very. I thought she's a wee dick at the start of that, to be honest. Oh, we were. She went on at the start. I thought she sounds like a wee dick, but um, <laughs> as I went on, I thought, yeah, I totally know what you mean. You won't need to get your anger out. Jesus, there's been many a time I felt like launching something right into the garden. <laughs> very true. Um, I also love the way she's so Canadian. I like to rock out. Yeah, like rock out. It is cute. I don't know what that is. like. That's literally just a clip that I found on YouTube, a standalone mm-hmm. thing. I don't know what the question was, what the interviewer mm-hmm, was asking, mm-hmm. but uh, there you go. <laughs> she well, knew fine. who she was. <laughs> yes. Well, it's a good parting um, sentiment from Avril. Um, <laughs> yes. Thank you, Avril, for that, for your words of wisdom at 17. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Yeah, that's well, another, that was, that was fun. Random as ever. Yeah. Uh, in terms of uh, our choices, didn't exactly marry up, but that's going to happen at times. So yeah. you know, embrace those times. But are um, we thinking for the next episode we might have a wee like Brittany versus Christina? 
Is that yeah, maybe on the cards? We can no longer um, deny those two <laughs> and their chances, her chance to to um, to be in the spotlight. So yeah, taking mm-hmm. it back to the old school, the feud of feud of our lifetime, I'd say. <laughs> Very memorable, yeah, for for teenage yeah. girls at that point. I mean, I don't so, think they ever were fully feuding. Anyway, we'll get into this next yeah. time. Um, but yes, thanks very much for listening. Yes, much appreciate it. Um, mm-hmm. If you want to follow us on Instagram, it's at Video Chat Podcast. We also have a Facebook page at Video Chat Podcast. So you can give us a, a follow or a like or whatever on any of those. And uh, stay tuned just to see what we're up to for the next time. Yay. Thanks, Ooh. everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.